Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Light of Life podcast. I'm your host, Naomi, and today I'm here with Suzanne. Suzanne, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, I would. I'm Suzanne Robati, and I am the founder and president of Med Shadow Foundation, and I'm also the executive director of DES Action, uh, which is a patient advocacy group, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I should probably tell you what else. I am not a doctor. I am not a scientist. I am a regular person, like like many of your listeners and you, uh, who's been affected by medicines uh, that changed my life. And uh, so I'm, 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 I've done a lot of reading and I've done a lot of talking to doctors. Um, I'm also, I've been appointed to an FDA, a Food and Drug Administration um, Advisory Committee. So remember when all the vaccinations were coming out for COVID, you hear about the advisory committee's meeting. So I'm appointed to the Drug Safety and Risk Management Advisory Committee, uh, which is kind of a big honor and uh, something that maybe some of your patients should think about applying for. But we can also talk about that later if you want. There's usually a patient representative and a consumer uh, representative, which I am, um, on every advisory board. And you get to sit with the doctors, you see all the data that they do, and they, uh, you get to speak your opinion and have a voice at the table when drugs, medicines are being approved or turned down. So that's an exciting thing that's happened to me over the past recent years, but always and only because of my work uh, in patient advocacy and consumer health advocacy. That was too long. Thank you, Suzanne. And um, so my first question for you is, um, what drug was given to your mother? Sure. There was a drug called diethylstilbestrol. You don't have to say that. It's called DES. And it was given to somewhere between 5 to 10 million women uh, who were pregnant and at some perceived risk of miscarriage back in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So that gives you a concept of my age range. Um, These women, this drug was the very first synthetic estrogen ever created, one of the first synthetic drugs. It was synthetic on a much, um, sorry, it was estrogen with a much higher impact and a much higher quantity than your body could ever make or would ever expect to have. And the theory behind the drug was that when women are about to miscarry, their estrogen level drops in their body as a sign to doctors that things aren't going well. And, and so they thought, well, let's just pump them full of this fake estrogen, and that will save the pregnancy. The uh, studies that were done on it did not prove that. Um, in fact, very quickly it was proven that that isn't what happens. In fact, it can cause a miscarriage. But, <laughs> excuse me, the FDA ignored that. Um, the doctors ignored that, and they kept giving it to, to women. So, as you can imagine, when you change the very uh, the, the actual amniotic fluid that these infants are floating in and then fill it full of estrogen, many things can happen, and we don't know all of them. But the first sign that there was something wrong 
was uh, 20 years after these uh, these women were given the drug, the doctors were finding a rare cancer called CCA, it's clear cell adenocarcinoma. There will be no quiz on that, CCA. It's a, it's a drug, it's, it's a cancer that's unique actually to people who've been exposed to DES in the womb. It's almost the only way that you can you can get it. And these girls were between the ages of 16 and 23. There were seven of them that presented with this cancer almost simultaneously in Boston. And only because there was this cluster of such a rare disease was there the opportunity for the doctors to say, there's something wrong here. And the mothers to get together and say, I was given a drug when I was pregnant. I was too. I was too. Six out of the seven had clear medical records stating that they'd been exposed. They'd been given, prescribed DES in pregnancy. And the seventh one, the doctor was contacted directly because it wasn't in his records. And he said, I don't write it down because I give it to almost all my pregnant women. So I'd say yes. So that was, they were able to establish a causal relationship and on that basis, the um, NIH, National Institutes of Health, in the National Cancer Institute division of it, started a multi-generation study of what diethylstilbestrol did to the mothers, they're called DES mothers who were given the drug, the DES daughters and sons who were exposed to the drug. And because DES was also the very first endocrine disruptor ever put out into society, they could see what it was doing to generation three and four. So estrogen disruptors are those things like in the like BPA in your plastic bottles, but they can be in your food and drugs too. So that was a long setup. Um, what it did in addition to giving some, some young women this cancer, rare cancer, um, for some of the other daughters, it's um, affected their fertility organs. Uh, in my personal case, it malformed my organs so that they didn't fully mature. Fortunately, mm -hmm. my ovaries did so that all my hormones and eggs and stuff worked, but the rest of, of me was not, not ever able to bear a child. Uh, no chance of that. And with some of the sons, there have been um, uh, really not cancers, but uh, testicular uh, lumps and bumps and some malformations for them. Their, um, the DES mothers end up with a high rate of breast cancer because as many people know, cancer feeds on estrogen. Breast cancer feeds on estrogen. So both the DES mothers and the DES daughters and the DES sons ended up with a high rate of breast cancer. There's lots of other ins and outs of it, but that's the essential thing. So I found out when I hit puberty, things didn't really progress normally. And my mother took me to a doctor who then did uh, arthroscopic surgery to put a little camera inside of me to look around and see what was going on. And he said, that's when they could identify that my organs were malformed and that... Um, mm -hmm. Basically, while I was fine and there didn't, wasn't any sign of cancer and knock on wood, I've never had any cancers related to DES. Uh, that became you know, part of my story when I was 13, 14 years old. Wow. 
So you were given DES and it greatly impacted your um, development. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, what, what advice do you have to anyone um, who is uh, questioning their doctor's decisions to either put them on or take them off of meds? Well, one of the things I did, I learned personally, I made a personal decision, was to keep track of every medicine ever given to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, everyone else I've had, you know, this happened or that happened, uh, uh, my disc got, you know, in bad shape, I had backaches, I had mono, whatever it was, I kept an actual pill bottle or a Z-Pack. I kept, I kept even if it was a, a, as empty. Um, and if it was a, a, a drug that I was taking for a period of time, so there were multiple pill packs, I only kept one with a notation of how many I took it. Um, so that if any of the drugs that I was given ever came up as questionable, I would have proof that I was given it. And I would know what doctor gave it to me, what pharmacist filled it, when it was, what it was prescribed to me for. Because you think you remember this stuff, but I'm sure you realize you don't. Yeah. You know, a couple of years later, you're like, ah, I got that stuff. Was it as if the myosin or was it Cody? I, you know, you, know, you forget. So you just keep it. Um, I now also put a Google search alert on uh, the name of any drug. I mean, not Tylenol, but but anything like that. Any, any unusual drug, any drug that's a prescription, just so that it will come into my email box that this drug is, is an issue. This has actually been helpful uh, for me to look back at it. Uh, years ago, I was having a weird thing. My left eye would go blind for three minutes for no reason. And at the time... Doctors were actually studying this phenomenon in other people. They didn't know what was happening. And it turns out it's called monocular blindness. So mono, monocular blindness. And it's, it's actually not, it's, it's, it's tied to migraines, which I didn't mm. experience migraines. My body experience of migraine is shutting down the nerve to the, to the eye for three minutes. Yeah. And, and over 30 years, it, it kind of resolved on its own and went away. But, um, in the course of it, I was given a drug that was withdrawn from the market because it created heart problems. It created heart problems. Mm. It didn't just add to heart problems, it created them. So when I happened to notice that drug was no longer on the market, I called my doctor, I did some research, and I had my heart checked to make sure that I didn't have any of the telltale, telltale signs mm -hmm. uh, that that drug had caught. So it was... It was helpful. If there had been uh, some damage that that drug had done, I would have known and would have been able to do something about that or, or you know, handle it. You you know more, much more about heart drugs than I do, but that was that was very scary. But but you get angry. Um, I was listening to your podcast and uh, your latest one, and um, I applaud you for answering questions that are difficult to yeah. answer. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was 14, my parents said, don't tell anyone, tell no one. Yes. This is a secret. This is the, they didn't make a difference between secret and private. Mm -hmm. And 
they said this is a secret don't tell anyone don't tell boys for sure um because they thought that i don't know boys would try to take advantage of me because i couldn't get pregnant i don't you know this is a while ago a long time ago um and that was very scarring to me to have to keep the secret and i kept it i kept it yeah i was uh, 30 and my best friends didn't know and um when my boyfriend and I were talking about getting married, I had already told him. And you can imagine how hard it was to yeah. tell somebody. Mm-hmm. As my parents also felt that I would be rejected by any man because I couldn't bear him children. And um, I never was rejected by, you know, of the few boyfriends I told that I got serious with enough to tell, I, I no one ever rejected me for that. Thank goodness. I <laughs> didn't, didn't marry someone as shallow as that. But... Um, but everyone's got their priorities. So, yeah. um, so I had told him, and when we were talking about getting married, he told his family, he told his parents, he told our mutual friends, my deepest secret. And I was, <laughs> I was so oh. horrified. It was so awful. I was so angry. And a couple of weeks later, I realized he'd done me such a favor, such a favor. It would have been so hard for me to tell these people this. And he told them. And it's, it's, there, it's, it's, it was, it's painful to me to admit I'm not perfect, uh, that my body's not perfect. Mm-hmm. But who's his? No. Everyone's yeah. got lumps and bumps yeah. and stuff. And I was holding myself to some strange, impossible standing. And I didn't lose a friend. I didn't get looked at sideways. I didn't get judged. Uh, and I avoided a lot of questions, which are, when are you two starting to have children? So, <laughs> it was, it's very hard to do that. So congratulations yeah. oh, on getting you. there long before I did. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for all your advice with, um, with the medications. You know, I would also like to say, um, uh, this is like the, uh, the number one thing that always makes me so nervous about uh, about my heart condition, like if I'm being being taken off a medication, being given a new one, it's always given me a, a lot. I've just always been so nervous about it um, because there's been a lot of comp- mm-hmm. there's yeah, because I've I can I can relate to you uh, being given like a new medication or being taken off one. Uh, I've I've had a lot of um complications with that kind of thing and so that's the number one thing I always get really nervous about so thank you so much for your um your advice with that you just gave really good advice uh just to make sure you know like what you're taking it for uh and yeah Yeah. and how always want to know how long you're going to be taking this medicine Uh, um it's it's one of the things I did to to uh uh face you know what had happened to me was about 10 years ago i started an organization called med shadow foundation and uh we're a health journalism based website and social media so we we publish articles on what are the side effects of medicines we focus Mm -hmm. on the side effects of medicines Mm -hmm. you'll you'll see you know it's the articles are complete they have all the information in them but unlike most other websites we don't take pharmaceutical money we don't take any support from them. They're not allowed to advertise on our site. Um, we give 
as complete information we can on side effects um, so that you have the right to know. So many side effects mm -hmm. are considered tolerable or minimal mm -hmm. or managed well. And they include things like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. This is not tolerated. No, not... <laughs> you can't go to work if you've got diarrhea. No. <laughs> or a date. <laughs> I, I don't understand why people think that uh, the medical community seems to think that this is an, an unimportant side effect. Now, they call there's something they call adverse events and something they call side effects. So side effects are things I just mentioned, headaches, uh, rashes, oh, side effects. If you die, if you end up in the hospital, if you have anaphylactic shock, that's an adverse event. And that's what gets the attention from the FDA. Mm -hmm. That's what gets the attention from your doctors. And uh, rightfully so, nobody wants to die from taking a medicine. But you need to know like, uh, that you have options. So, for example, my husband was told he should go on, to, on statins. And I said, no, you should not. He said, the doctor said I should. I said, no, you should not. He said, the doctor said I should, and I will. Okay. So he started on statins, and um, he uh, had some stomach upset from the statin. So he called the doctor, and the doctor said, okay, we can take out that statin. There's another statin that does just about the same thing. Try that. He actually went through three or four different types of statins because his health insurance didn't want to pay for one and this one upset his stomach. So remember, if you are not, if you feel that you need to take a medicine, but it's not, it's giving you headaches or it's, it's, it's impeding your, uh, your, your recovery, call your doctor because almost every drug unless you have a rare disease. Almost every drug has an alternative drug. Mm -hmm. Even these weight loss drugs, used to be there's only, for a moment, there's only Wagovi, and now there's a Zempic, and then there's Manjaro, and then, you know, I'm not suggesting anyone should take these weight loss drugs. I think they're very suspicious. But um, if you are taking them and you're having intolerable side effects, try, try a different one. Don't work with your doctor. Yeah. Work with your pharmacist. Tell them how you're feeling. Yes. And that you'd like to better. And ask them also, I don't know, uh, I haven't listened to enough of your podcast to know if you, and I don't really know your diagnosis and all that. I apologize. But, um, you know, a lot of garden variety chronic illnesses, and by garden variety, I don't mean inconsequential, I mean common, like diabetes asthma, um, uh, overweight, uh, cardiovascular disease, um, uh, you know, high cholesterol, all those, most of them will respond very well to some more exercise and a better diet. Get more sleep. Mm -hmm. Your body is a Ferrari and it needs to, to take care of it and it yes. will take care of you yeah. in exchange. Yes, it will. <laughs> yeah. So at one point, my, um, my husband uh, was, was rubbing his thighs, kind of like, you know, like pushing down, you know, like the muscles hurt. And I said, oh, your muscles hurt. You have to stop statins right now because 
muscle ache is one of the side effects of statins. Mm. So he called his doctor because I said, what's the point of being in pain all the time? He called his doctor and said, I'd like to try diet and exercise instead of statins for a while. And the doctor said, sure, you're borderline anyway. You don't really need to be on them. But he never told him that. He never suggested diet and lifestyle. So, uh, so to be safe, my husband went in. They did a blood draw uh, while he was on the statins. He stopped the statins. He lost five pounds by exercising. He ate a little more healthily. He stopped eating Entman's donuts, which frankly are very delicious. Um, and I came back and the doctor said, yeah, you're well into the safety zone. You don't need statins at all. And that was eight or nine years ago. He still mm-hmm. doesn't need statins now. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so when I, when I got to a point in my life, when I had had a few careers and, you know, my husband was making decent money and I didn't have to worry about a salary, I thought, what could I do? What could I do? I wanted to be active. Uh, I wanted to, I didn't want anyone else to go through what I did. I don't think it's right that medicine given to you in good faith will cause such devastating harm to the offspring. If I could stop the next DES, I would, that would be important to me. So uh, that's why I started MedShadow, was to give you the information to help you, to help you stop the next DES, to protect you and to protect your family. The, there's a, uh, in, in, I live in New York City, and every kid in high school seems to be taking ADHD medicine. And when my kid was in high school, we, we end up, it's confusing, but my 12 year old nephew came to live with us, uh, when he was 12 and, um, it worked out well and he stayed with us. There were some problems at home and, uh, as happens in many families, he just needed to try living somewhere else. And we loved having him and it was wonderful for, for all of us, but there was problem, there were problems when we, when we sent him to school. They said, he's ADHD, you have to put him on Ritalin or we'll kick him out. So I took him to a, a specialist who after 15 minutes said, sure, here's a prescription for Ritalin. And if that doesn't work, we'll double it. And if that doesn't work, we'll give him a butin or Adderall. We'll get him under control. I did not like that. Mm-hmm. So I said to him what anybody should say, um, you know, uh, how long will he be on this? Well, I can be on it for 10 years or the rest of his life. Well, how does he get off of this? Well, you do have to step down. You can't just stop because your body becomes used to it and you need to have it. So I said, so what are the long-term effects of giving a, a drug that is designed to work on your brain to a child going into puberty? And he said, oh, there's none. I said, can I see a study that says that? Because there's a lot of regular side effects to Ritalin and Adderall and Wellbutin. There's, you know, again, there's nausea, there's irritability, there's sleeplessness, there's, you know, you stop growing. So he said, no, there, there are no studies. I thought there are no studies. And I did some research. I talked to my doctor. I talked to a pharmacist friend. And at the time, there was not one study that went more than 312 days for a drug that people were using for a decade. So that poor kid of mine never got the Ritalin. We had the luxury and the ability to work with him, to be able to hire 
ADHD coach. Most importantly, we had the ability to hire um, a testing specialist, uh, which many school systems will do for you. We didn't know to ask that. We just hired one. And to test for ADHD, there were four different days of giving him different tests by the doctor. She went to go watch him in the classroom. She interviewed teachers and us. And turns out he had learning disabilities. He didn't have ADHD. So it was just presented. Everyone just assumes it's ADHD when a kid can't sit still and shouts out in class. He had a little ADHD. But he really had, by addressing the learning disabilities, he didn't need drugs. And now he can handle life without medicine. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) So, just ask don't don't just you you know if you really need medicines then you need to take them but you yeah. doesn't mean you don't get to ask questions and it doesn't mean that you don't keep track of what they are mm-hmm. and take there's another one take old medicines and by that I don't mean out of date what I mean is if there's a drug that's been on the market for 15 years 20 years 30 years and there's a brand new drug that's being advertised on TV that does kind of the same thing, but bigger and better and more fancy. Don't take the new one. Take the old one. Because the FDA approves a different amount, but between 60 and 150 new drugs each year. And, and I'm, you know, brand new drugs. And four years later, on average, 32% of them will have a significant health warning attached to them that was never foreseen by the FDA or the pharmaceutical company. Mm. It it could be pulled, that drug I was given was pulled off the market. Uh, They could put a black box warning on the the drug box, which is a warning it could kill you or put you in the hospital. So try not to use a drug that's newer than five years old or 10 years old. And, and, and again, if you failed on those and you need to take a drug, of course, you know, mm-hmm. don't not yeah. take a drug that, that you will be significantly harmed if you don't, but mm-hmm. you have options. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for uh, sharing all this really useful information. Is there anything else you would like to share, Suzanne? Well, if anybody who's listening um, remembers that um, or feels that they might have been exposed to DES either themselves or their mother or their grandmother at this point. So if you heard that your grandmother miscarried one or two children, it's entirely possible that you know, she was giving birth in the 40s, 50s, 60s, she was given DES. If you have some unexplained ish, unexplained infertility, unexplained um, endometriosis, fibroiditis, you know, anything going on weird in your reproductive system or early onset breast cancer, ask your doctor if it's possible you're exposed to DES because you want to know what caused it if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to your mother and go to an organization called desaction.org. Um, which has the most complete information on diethylstilbestrol anywhere. And I should tell you, about five years ago, DES leadership came and asked if MedShadow would take over the management of this membership organization. So 
That's why I'm the executive director of DES Action. And I founded Medshadow. And it makes me feel so much better that I've done something, that I've been active. The same way I'm sure you feel great that you're doing this podcast. You're doing something. You're not just sitting around, you know, dealing with stuff. You can be yeah. active. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast and bringing awareness to medicines. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Good luck. Thank you.